Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great companion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I am sinful as at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me the wisdom in, the, in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous. And burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for these moments. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and the reality of what you are doing and continue to do in our midst God, I pray this morning as we continue in worship through reading your word and expressing and experiencing what your spirit has for us, God, that we would be open, that we would hear you, that we would know you. God, speak to each one and may we have the courage and the wisdom and the discernment to respond in however you call us to do so. God, we thank you for who you are, what you do. Your son's precious and perfect and holy and matchless name that we pray and all God's people set together. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When I was um, when I was getting my undergrad, I, I had to take two uh, PE credits, two credits that would be for physical education, and I took one class that I really enjoyed. It was just a health and wellness class, but I learned a lot about. Um, the, the, the body, I learned a lot about exercise, I learned a lot about the things um, that, that contribute to being healthy and what it means to be physically healthy. And the second class I took was called short-term and long-term tripping and trekking. And it wasn't about tripping and falling down, it was about taking trips and going on trips, particularly long backpack trips, 
and what it means to prepare yourself to get things ready. And the, the professor that I had, he's retired now, but uh, he's a, a speaker and an author and um, has been a pastor in the past in the Wesleyan Church. His name is Dr. Keith Jury. And, and with his instruction, I learned all there was to learn about going on, essentially going on a hike what it means to get things together. He talked about gear and how you need the right gear. He talked about some of the hacks that you can do so that you don't have to carry as much, uh, particularly how fast you can walk so that bugs can't catch you or can't hold on to you. The things that you can pick up along the way rather than having to bring along with you. The, the amount of ounces that each little thing takes, like this little clip right here, and how much weight that can be over the course of a 15, 20, 30 mile hike. He talked about setting yourself up for success and eliminating the waste on your trip, stripping down to the bare bones, in fact, getting real and authentic. Today we're going to embark on a journey of discovering from the, the passage I just read, which is uh, David, King David, a man after God's own heart, who had just committed a, a sin of adultery with Bathsheba, his confession, his prayer, his, uh, his, his desire to come before God, to recognize his sin, and to move away from that. And as he wrote this particular psalm for us to even read today, we recognize his intentionality behind how he engaged with his God, with our God. His creator, the one who loves him, the one who loves us, the one who grants us life, who grants us grace, who grants justice, and in many cases granted us the actual gift of confession itself. What is confession? As we look at this concept of, of vulnerable confession, confession is a deep honesty to self and with God. Confession is getting down to the bare bones, stripping away all the things that distract, all the excuses, all the reasons to not do it, to not, to not be fully authentic before God. Confession is basically saying, God, it's me and you. You see me in my good times, how we would define good. You see me in my negative times. You see me in my sin. You see me in my success. God, you know me, and I confess before you, just like uh, David was doing in this passage, I confess before you that I have sinned. Often confession and repentance can be mixed up or even sometimes used inter interchangeably. There's a, uh, distinct differences, though, that we need to recognize. Confession can be imposed and, and also be a mere, can be imposed as, as an action and, and a mere um, just a response that has no inward change. Rather, today, as we look specifically at the topic of, of this uh, almost lost or forgotten or maybe even uh, intentionally forgotten spiritual discipline, we recognize the fact that vulnerable confession, vulnerable confession points toward the inward transformation of repentance. Meaning there is an inward transformation, there is an inward change, and that inward change results in an outward confession. Confession that results in an authentic repentance is basically the removal of remorse, the recognition of a fallen self, and, and coming before a holy, a perfect God in who we are. David, who has been known as the man after God's own heart, one who followed God, was no stranger to confession. In fact, here we see this humble prayer of forgiveness, this humble prayer of asking for forgiveness, of asking to be cleansed. 
And the result is, is actually interesting. It's, it comes on the heels of recognition that he was caught in his sin, right? Uh, the, the prophet Nathan had come to him and said, look, I know the sin that's here. Or actually he said, there's this thing going on. What do you think of this? And finally, David kind of steps out and Nathan and, and says, well, that, that person, whatever they did, however they did it, they should be punished. And Nathan stepped out and says, well, guess what? You are that man. And David's response wasn't, no, it wasn't me. David's response was to get real before his God, to strip down all the things that would have been uh, a cause to to ignore it. Hey, you know what? Maybe you haven't read here, Nathan, but I'm I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm good. I've got it all figured out. Or or maybe for for us, oh, well, I go to church and so I I know it. Or, uh, you know, I I give and I I sing loud during the music time, especially if it's a song I like, right? And and so I, I, I do a lot of good things. No, David says, you know what? I was a sinner. I've sinned. And not just have I done something wrong, but I've sinned against God creator, the one who loves me. The psalm itself is constructed really intentionally. There's a, two verses to begin with. It's, it's very symmetrical. Two verses to begin with that intro this actual prayer. And then there's four stanzas within that each one has a, a specific indicator of something that, that David is bringing before his God. And then finally, there's a two-verse conclusion at the end that, that culminates and brings everything together. Essentially, David's prayer is for himself and also for Zion, for others, for his people, for those that he's praying for, that they can pray, they can worship, they can once again be in this place, this Jerusalem in the presence of God. And so we're going to walk through this specific prayer, and as we do so, it's my hope, it's my uh, encouragement, uh, one, that uh, if you are, are good on the amount of coffee you have, that would be great. If you just stick here, you can get some more after service. I promise you they'll make some more. But at the same time that we would focus particularly, specifically, not on the person next to us or that person that we wish was here or that person that we think, man, they, they needed to really hear this. And we think directly and specifically about how the Spirit might be speaking to us, to you, to me. This first part, verse 1 and 2, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. God, please have mercy on me. I know your character is an unfailing love. Would you please, God, have mercy according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquities and clean me from my sin. He's looking for this great pardon. Luke chapter 18 verse 13 reads like this. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wasn't worthy. He didn't feel like he was worthy. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Essentially, this is David's position. This is David's posture. He's down. He's saying, God, I have sinned. I have sinned against you. Please, please show me your unfailing love, your mercy, so that I might be able to experience your forgiveness. If you're a note taker, the the first note in this specific portion of the sermon is this. Confession recognizes the shortcomings of self and places them before God. The, 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 The reality of confession is that it has to have this inward focus, this inward reflection that something is not right, that something is, is, is amiss, something is askew. I have done something that is not within the context of what God would be happy or pleased with. Often when things get stripped away, when we begin to see things the way that God sees them, we start to pull things back. We can see this actual growth, this actual change in our lives. 
If you've ever done a, a project before, a home project, maybe you, you, you've, you've embarked on this journey before, and sometimes you might be fortunate and you get into it, and you think, okay, I'm going to just replace the faucet here in this bathroom, and, and you get into it, and you go, okay, well, that was easy. You replace the faucet, and you're done. If you're like 99% of the other people on the planet, when you start that project, it's not a few days later when you've had to rip out this and that, and, and the flooring's gone, and eventually you've stripped it down to nothing, right? But you know that it's not until you strip it down to nothing, you can't recognize where the real issues actually are. Because oftentimes there are things within our lives, there are things that that are blind spots, there are things in our lives that are just kind of mainstays, there's things in our lives like a title, like David even had, a man after God's own heart, where, hey, I'm just going to hold true to this. And we allow that to distract or to cloud or or to keep us from getting to a place where we fully recognize what God is attempting to do with our brokenness, and with the clarity of seeing who we really are. I just noticed there's an elephant in the room. Actually, I didn't notice. It's in my notes, so I knew it was here. I'm wearing a backpack right now. Anybody notice that? Anybody see that that, that I'm I'm wearing this backpack? I'm carrying this around. Matter of fact, I'm going to put it on right. That way it doesn't fall off. These are more for looks than anything else, in case you wanted to know. I feel good in this thing now. I'm in. I'm ready. Sometimes we carry around a little bit of junk. On our trip, on our trek, no matter how long it is, we're carrying around these things on our back. And for whatever reason, we allow these things, we allow this to cloud the judgment, to cloud the vision, to cloud the spiritual growth that God wants to do. And instead of stripping it all the way back, we just move on to the next thing, carrying it along with us. And you might move from place to place. You might, you might start a new job. You might, maybe you, you, you go to a new school and, and you're like, man, I had, I had really bad issues at that last job. I had terrible issues at that last school. Man, I had, I had really bad things that happened there. And, and you think, okay, I'm just going to get away. But the, the problem is when you go from school to school, you know what? The one the common denominator is from school to school, it's you. And oftentimes when you go, especially if you don't clear out these issues, you go with that pack. And that pack that clouds, that pack that keeps you from being able to experience what God has for you, that pack that keeps you from stripping all the way down to being able to see the exact bare bones of what God wants to do in and through your life. The next four stanzas of this particular prayer point directly at David's actual prayer of confession. And as we look through these and we kind of explore each one of these, I want to kind of focus directly on what he deems to be important as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this passage. Verses 3 through 6 highlight this this enabling understanding that there has to be a genesis, a start, a recognition of self, of pulling it all back. The first thing that he does, the first thing that he does is acknowledge that he's fallen. He has done something. He's fallen short of the glory of God. And the point there is that confession of sin. He confesses that he has sinned. He has fallen short of God's glory. He's fallen short of God's perfect will. And he confesses that. Often this is our issue. We don't really want to confess it. We're not willing to be honest before God. Can I just share a little secret? God is all-knowing. He already knows. You can't put it over here and expect him not to see it. In fact, you know what? Sometimes I think we get our pack, right? We're, we're walking along with our pack and we're, we're walking along and we, and we think, okay, if I just tuck it away deep enough in here, I can get it down in there. Maybe, yeah, God won't see it. And, and, and we have, you know, maybe a mask, right? You guys didn't know I was Spider-Man, but 
Secret's out. And we take this mask, I'm not going to attempt to put this on, but I'm going to hold it up. We take this mask and we wear it. We take this mask and, and, and before God, or particularly before others, we put it up and we say, here's who I am. Here's, here's what I'm about. This, this is what I am. And we hide the true self behind it. Let me just tell you, God knows what's behind the mask. And his desire, just like it was for David, is for us to come before him to take the mask that we've been holding, the mask that we've been hiding behind, the thing that we, we, we try to put. I want real change to happen. If I want you to do a real work in my life, I need to take this thing that I've been using as a shield, using as a distraction, using as a way of, of being able to keep a, a, a distance between you and God. And you say, okay, God, I know because of your son, Jesus, because of the love that you've given me, I don't need this. I'll say that again because I want to hear you say amen to this. I don't need this. And we put it before the cross. And we don't pick it up and put it back in the bag when we need it later. God, I did something. I don't want you to know. But no, we leave it at the cross. And we recognize that his redemptive work on the cross is enough for that mask to be taken away. That that persona, that thing that we're hiding, that way that we're we're tempted to try to, to look good in the eyes of God is gone. And we buckle back up again, right? We, we got to buckle up. I got to make sure I'm safe here. David doesn't stop with confession. That's the great thing about it. It's not just about recognizing, hey, I've sinned. It's only part of it. David doesn't stop with the confession. He continues with renewal. What happens after this recognition of sin? What happens from this place? And from verses 7 through 9, as I read earlier, we see that he answers this more profound awareness of, of the psalmist's plight from chapter, or verses 5 and 6. Where, where do we go from here? What do we do? And the point is renewed prayer, that what David does, renewed prayer for pardon and inner transformation. He wants this change to happen in him. He doesn't want to just say, God, I screwed up again, because we've all been there before, right? I've messed up again, maybe not with God, maybe you're telling your boss, your professor, your parent, I messed up again. And eventually after four, five, six, a hundred times, like, you know what, is anything going to change here? You're just going to keep messing up and then telling me. Because it feels good sometimes to confess, right? It feels good to say, you know what, I've done something wrong. But in essence, God's not saying, hey, I just want to give you this blanket form of hall passes or get out of jail free cards where you just keep bringing them to me whenever you do something wrong. No, I want to change you. I want to transform you. What God's wanting to do in our lives is bring us to a closer relationship with him so we can experience real grace. So we can experience real hope. So we can experience real peace. And in verse 7 through 9, it reads like this, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And the recognition there is that we don't do that. Who does the washing here? It doesn't say, God, wait a minute while I go take a shower. It says, wash me, asking God to bring forth the change. Asking God, reflecting upon what he can and did do for us on the cross to be able to bring a real and lasting change in us. You know, there are steps that we take. That's what spiritual disciplines are. We step forward in faith and then God connects with us through our action. But the real action, the real transformation doesn't come from our power. It's from him. And this inner struggle of often trading joy and gladness for fear and worry actually has these very negative effects and we're carrying this around, right? Maybe, maybe you've been there before. You're, you're carrying around a fear of what tomorrow looks like and you've got it tucked away down in your bag, right? What's he going to pull out now? Kind of a Mary Poppins situation here. Okay, so once again, what, what's in here? What, what do we have? And we pull out this light, right? 
And the interesting thing about the, the light is in many cases when it comes to fear, when it comes to worry, when it comes to the things of this world, and if you get too you know, into one thing or into another, we get our eyes kind of off of God and we're kind of pointing it around in here, right? Is that bright? It's not for me, I'm behind it. <laughs> and we see all the other things that God might have us to see and in essence what God wants to do is he wants us to focus right here. Did you guys know that was over there? He says, look, don't carry around that light that's pointing at the things of this world that are causing you worry, causing you fear, causing you to not focus on God, the one true God who brings forth the real purity, the real lasting change in your life. And instead, take that light, that light that you've been pointing at all the wrong things. And once again, I, I've done this thing for you. I, I brought forth an opportunity for you to be able to experience real and lasting change. Just lay it before me. Don't carry it around in that pack. Don't carry it around every single day from place to place, wherever you go, continuing to struggle with worry, continuing to struggle with fear, but allow that inner transformation from the pardon that God gives you to recognize you don't have to worry anymore. Even when you don't feel it, he's working, right? Even when you don't see it, he's working. He never stops. And so even in those moments, we don't have to live in fear or in doubt or in, in, in any kind of anxiety, but instead we can live in the promise of the cross. Next, David highlights the, the need to be made new and what that looks like specifically and tangibly. In verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Recently, in the last few weeks, I've been studying habits and how habits are formed and how habits can be changed. And just been a course of study I've been walking through with a, with a group of people. And as I've walked through this, I recognize the fact that habits can be adjusted and they can be changed. And one thing I've learned is that you can't always continue to do the same thing and expect different results. You know, in the context of, of, of a habit, yes, yeah, somebody already said, I was going to get there in a minute. In the context of a, well done. Why don't you come up and preach? Here, I'll just. <laughs> in the context of habits, in the context of what it means to have a habit, you can't continue to do the same thing over and over again and continue or expect a, a different result. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and saying, God, you know what? I've done this, this thing again. Can you please forgive me? I'll get back to my day and then we'll be changed. I'll, 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 I'll move on. I'll get to something else. And we carry around this cycle. We carry around this cycle of habits that are not pleasing to God. We carry around this cycle of habits that, that kind of reflect what we would like. The, the, the priorities or the, or the position or the, the way that we want to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so we have our backpack and it's full and we've got all these things in here and, and, and we keep putting on this same old shirt. This is one of my favorite shirts. I'm going to put this on right now. Some of you are like, good, he's wearing a collar at least. Jeez, what a slob. <laughs> all right, now he can preach. You got a collar on. Button it up, Steve. What's wrong with you? Right? Is that close? My wife dresses me, in case you want to know. This is the mastery of my work. 
No, I, I, I love this shirt. I wear it often. In fact, you see here I got this ripped pocket. You can't put a handful of treble hooks in a pocket and expect to get them out. It's dirty. It's filthy. Some of the stains and the paint are set in. They're not going away. Interesting thing is, as dirty as it is, as ragged as it looks, I mean, it was honestly made so the buttons didn't line up. It wasn't my fault. It was a defect. I keep putting it on. Why do I keep putting it on? It's comfortable. Makes me feel warm from time to time. Keeps me from getting chicken stuff on me. I have chickens at home. Sorry, that was... I'm trying to be honest and confess this morning. But we keep putting on that same garment. Keep wearing it around. Keep allowing this to be the thing that we use to bring us our, 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 our reason, this to be our, our purpose. We keep using this to be the thing that we drape ourselves in. And what David points at here is this recognition that there needs to be purity. There needs to be a change. And so the prayer that he has specifically is for purity. And he takes off that old garment that old thing that he used to wear, that old way that he used to live, that thing that, that used to, to, to master him. And he gives it to God and he says, God, I know I can't do this on my own. I know I can't be changed by my own action. I know that what I can do is never going to be enough, but I put it before you. And I ask God that you change me. And this prayer of purity becomes David's key to transitioning from a place of saying, I can do it all. I've got it figured out. To saying, God, I know I can't do it. I know the power comes from you. I know that I'm carrying all these things around. And as I continue to carry them, they just weigh me down further and further and further. And so finally he says, this way that I'm living, it's got to go. And God doesn't reject him or take the Holy Spirit away. Instead, he grants him joy. He grants him this salvation that comes from gladness in his soul. And he points him towards this prayer of purity. And then it's interesting to note that in this purity, that that's not the place where he rests. That's not the place where he stops. Because God doesn't just create us new or make us new or transform us. But he does so with a purpose. Meaning that he wants to use you and I as part of his redemptive work. He wants for us to grow and to be changed and transformed and continue to grow. Because the trip, the trek that we're on, it doesn't necessarily stop when we get to the beginning of it and we get transformed. Instead, it continues. That's oftentimes the start of what God wants to do in our lives. But from time to time, we get distracted. You might remember last week, I talked a little bit about the shiny things in life, the things that might cause us to lose focus or to lose our perspective on what God's doing for us. And this power, this provision, this gift that God gives us, it doesn't necessarily always leave us uh, in a place where we're extremely moved, but sometimes we kind of get, we stall or we get, we get secured in a certain place. In verse 13 through 17, he, he highlights this. Then I will teach transgressor, transgressors your ways. 
so that sinners will turn back to you. And oftentimes what happens is we get bogged down once again with the shiny things of life. And deep down within, we, we find ourselves in this place, perhaps of selfishness, where the shiny things of life point us towards stuff that might be a little bit more bright, might be a little bit more uh, uh, to our liking, a little bit more self-seeking. And in the context of even serving God, sometimes we can get focused on those things where we look directly at And you fill in the blank, but oftentimes it's from that selfishness. It's from that pointing of ourselves. And and we have this mirror and we we look at it and we say, oh man, did you even, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I did brush my beard today. I can't remember. But God's saying, hey. You ever heard this before? Maybe you've said it before. Eyes up here, right? Eyes up here. God's saying, eyes up here. Don't read your own press. This is, this is an opportunity for you to grow. And he says, look, I want you to take that thing, that selfishness, I want you to put it at the foot of the cross. You're like, no, that's not me. That's not me. In fact, I don't, I don't, I don't have a garbage mirror like you do because that one's terrible. But there might be another thing, and I went back to 1985 and found this cell phone in my kid's toy box. But what it represents is it's quite interesting. I mean, what it represents is the, ooh, look at that, real buttons. What it represents is the, the fact that in many cases, you and I, we find ourselves in a place where, you know, we're, 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 we're busy. We've got this strapped to our hook, our, our, our hip. Or maybe we find ourselves in a place, maybe this is you, where you find yourself in a place where you're in the, the social media, let me put on my highlight reel race. Anybody ever been there before? You take 50 pictures so you can post the one that shows the exact thing that didn't happen on that vacation. And that's all rooted in, in somewhat of a selfishness. This, I want to look a certain way. I want to be a certain thing. I want to have this distractive way. And, and pride becomes this one counter move that Satan has that he attempts to try to creep in when it comes to us being purified and made new in the presence of God. He brings in this pride issue of saying, okay, well, let me find a way to kind of turn the corner. Let me find a way to try to pour in. Let me try to find some way to divert from the truth. We're on that trek and we're walking along and it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got service right here. Let me just post a quick, yeah. Follow me on, I don't have anything, never mind. In essence, what God's saying is, I want all of you. I want your relationships. I want your gifts. I want your attention. I want you. And as this passage rounds out, David concludes with two more verses of confession. And the amazing thing about this last part, it's kind of a sidebar understanding of confession, a sidebar understanding of what it means to confess, not just as individuals, but God created us to be communal. Live, I mean, we live in community. We, we, we live in, as, as believers together. And here in this last recognition in verse 18 and 19, it says, May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifice of the righteous. And in essence, what he's saying is, I'm not just praying for myself, but I'm also praying for others. 
I'm praying for the people. I'm praying for all people. And this prayer for the church as well as this culminating experience of saying, I I believe that God, that you are good. That you love me. But I call on your name now, not just for myself, but for other people. You know, some religious organizations believe that there must be a, a confession to a priest or a, or a person. And in essence, there is opportunity for us in many cases to go and confess to other people things that have taken place. But no person, no man or woman needs to be the liaison between you and God the Father. That's what Jesus' job is. He is the advocate. He is the way. And so while we confess to God, oftentimes the, what David is expressing here is oftentimes we need to also confess to one another. Perhaps a, a, a deed or a thought or a word that was said or expressed or maybe not said or not done. Perhaps God's calling you to engage confession with another person. Confession to another, not to attempt to, to connect with God, but simply to confess a fellow human being of something that you've done or something that you've said. And finally, what David is expressing here is that confession calls for unity among believers. Unity among you and I, unity among the the, the followers of Jesus, past, present, and future. As the band comes up to close, I want to circle back specifically to Dr. Drury's illustration. And I find it interesting when I think about all the, the trips and the treks that Dr. Jury did, because part of the reason he taught the class is because he loved to go hiking himself. He loved to go and do the Pacific Coast Trail, the Appalachian Trail. He loved to do all these different hikes. And oftentimes what he would do is he would recruit students from his classes to go along with him. And one of the things that I recognize specifically about these recruiting uh, endeavors that he had was that in every single case, now he would be one that would finance the trip, but in every single case, when he would bring along someone else with him, he would not carry his own pack. My brother-in-law hiked with him for six weeks. And he said, Dr. Drury never touched his own pack. Myself and the other guy, we passed it back and forth. We carried his stuff every step of the way. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 reads like this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary and and burdened, and I'll give you rest. That sounds to me like a God who brings forth, who provides something far beyond what we can do here ourselves. It sounds to me like a God who is somewhat uh, inviting us to live like Dr. Jury, saying, you don't have to carry that pack at all. In fact, the weight of the cross, the weight has been placed on the cross already. And you and I, we don't have to walk around on our trips carrying a pack. Instead, we can take all the items. We can take the pack itself. We can lay them at the foot of the cross. And we can say, thank you, God, for your love. Yeah. 
think Dr. Jury had it right because he understood the reality that, that in many cases we, we carry stuff around that we don't need to carry. We carry stuff around, in essence, that we, we carry around the mask that we attempt to try to hide from God. We hide from other people. We carry around the, the, the old garment. We keep putting it on over and over and over again just because it's routine or it's rhythm. We carry around the, the spotlight that's pointing at other things, that's pointing at things that are, are contrary to God. We carry around the mirror, the cell phone that point towards this, this pride or this selfishness. And what God is calling for us to do is to put all those things down at the foot of the cross recognizing that he has died for you and for me so we can experience him afresh and anew. Romans 10, 9 and 11, or excuse me, Romans 10, 9 and 10 reads like this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Other versions say, if you declare with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, to confess to the Lord simply means to admit Jesus is who God said he is. To admit Jesus has died, the Messiah and the Savior, the Lord of your life. To, to admit that and recognize that in our life. And not just to say it, but also to believe it, to be changed because of it. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.